Welcome and thank you for joining us. Here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret, we believe in impacting and changing people's lives through the Bible, which is the only inspired and infallible Word of God. For more information, be sure to check out our website at ccelderet.org. That is ccelderet.org. And here is today's word. Secondly, and I think more importantly, they were fearful because of their sins and betrayal and cowardice. And then all of a sudden, they see the very person whom they are letting down, the very person whom they betrayed. He appears. The shame and the guilt of the cowardice of these men, the shame and the guilt of Peter's betrayal, hiding like a bunch of weak, cowardly men. Shameful. They left him in the garden. They scattered, the Bible says, like sheep running away from a shepherd. Peter vehemently says he doesn't know Jesus. These men did not protect Jesus. They did not try to defend him. Peter did a little bit. Jesus stopped him and then went on to betray him. What is Jesus going to say to these people? Well, I can tell you this. Jesus is not like you and me. How dare you? How dare you betray me? I gave you everything, Peter. Everything. Food for three years. Lodging. Yeah, it wasn't the best lodging in the world, but you had a place to sleep at night. Kindness. Blessing. Healings. Teachings. And now you treat me like this. The rest of you, look at you, hiding like a bunch of little girls. I'm ashamed to be your master. No, he doesn't mention their cowardice, the weakness of fear, the faithlessness, the isolation, the hiding like bank robbers, Peter's denial, denial, their inability to hear and believe the words of Jesus Christ that were spoken for three years, that he would die and rise again. He mentions none of these things. He mentions peace. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. He said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give, but he gives a supernatural peace. Listen, people, let this encourage you that when you see Jesus face to face for the first time, he will not mention your sins. He will not mention 
the terrible things you have done. He offers peace. He offers forgiveness. He offers joy. He will take those sins. And in the language of casting into the sea of forgetfulness, when you study the language, it says it cast away from his eyes. So he cast behind him the ability for him to see your sins into a sea of forgetfulness. Can you imagine the joy of these men? The grace, the mercy, the kindness showed to them, the relief of the pardon. I hope you can because I sure can with the things that I've done. This gives me hope that the grace and mercy of God are secure in my life. The world enjoys fleeting pleasure, but they do not have eternal peace. Peace is only found in and through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We need this peace. The world needs this peace. In the middle of social unrest, economic uncertainty, political upheavals, cultural madness, and the sexual revolutions that exalt themselves against the image of God with male and female, we need this peace now more than ever. And we need to proclaim this peace now more than ever. Peace. Be to you, Jesus says, and he is saying that to everybody in this room this morning. Believe on him. Number three, we see proof shown. And when he had said this, he reached out his hands, showed him his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. No doubt they were glad when the first thing they heard was peace. You guys want proof? By the way, this isn't God being rude. This isn't Jesus like, hey, you unbelieving, lazy cowards, you want some proof? Here it is. That's not what Jesus Christ is doing. He is is offering them proof out of the goodness of his heart and the necessity that he knows we need. Saying, guys, It's me. Look at my hands. Look at my side. Here's the proof that not only have I risen, but I am the same person who died on that cross. And I am not just spirit. I am a physical body. Here's the proof. Number four, now we see the plan announced. We see persecution feared, panic increased, the proof shown. Now the plan is announced. Peace again to you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So you have the peace. You've now experienced the great magnitude of God's kindness and forgiveness and salvation. 
Now here's the plan. Here's the marching orders. Here's what you're supposed to do. Go. As the Father has sent me into the world to provide salvation, you are being sent into the world to proclaim salvation. That's the plan. This is the Great Commission. Now, listen, guys. The connection of God's forgiveness and our obedience to the plan is essential in our understanding and the outworking of our gratitude. The, what are these guys going to do? They can do no less. They have mistreated Jesus Christ so much. It's like, gosh, he's forgiven us. It is their motivation to go obey the plan is directly connected to the forgiveness that they have received. So if you don't think you're that bad of a person, you're going to be a real carnal person and going out and proclaiming the good news, you're not going to do it at all. But when you understand how much you've been forgiven, you are ready to go out and fulfill the plan. Oh, Lord, you forgive it, me? I just betrayed you. Peace to me? Peace to them? Let me go do this plan. I must go offer this kind of peace that I've experienced with others. You know, guys, we as selfish people want to keep the good things in our life to ourselves and give people the scraps. You know, there was a missionary. I, I, don't, I don't know if this is that wise to share it, but peace be to me, you know. There was a missionary who, who, who said, hey, when you come, even if you don't make a lot of money relative to an American, you will have more money than most Kenyans. Hear me out. So don't have a lot of Kenyans in your home to see how much food you have because it'll make them feel bad. Just keep your house life separate from your ministry life. That was the advice I got from a missionary when I moved to this country. It's like, are you kidding, are you kidding me? Is that the kind of ministry that you have? I bet it is a shallow, small ministry. No, maybe we do have more than some. We have less than the governor, I can tell you that. But I can tell you this, I want to share with my friends the good things that are in my life. Namely, the peace of Jesus Christ that I have in my heart. I want to share the good things. My home, my family, food. Guys, this is what Christianity is all about. Sharing. Inviting people into your heart, into your life. Saying, partake of the good things that God has given me. That's what we're called to do. Not to keep, oh, the good things are for me. The bad things are for you. Their 
allegiance and obedience to the plan is directly connected to the great peace and forgiveness that they have received and they want to share that with the world. They want to share that with the world. And if you have received forgiveness, you want to share that with the world as well. The plan is announced. You cannot stay here huddled in isolation in this upper room. You must break open the door and go out into the world and share this peace with everyone. That's the plan, guys. But you don't have to do this alone. Number five, they have the power given. He breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. There is debate on this. Some believe it's just a measure of the Holy Spirit, just a down payment for the day of Pentecost. But the Bible talks about receiving the Holy Spirit and it being in them. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 9, that we cannot be born again if the Spirit of God is not in us. So most likely, this is the moment that the disciples get born again. I know what you're thinking. They've been with Jesus all this time. They've believed on him. But this is the time where they are regenerated, where they are born again because the Holy Spirit is in them. And now, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit will come upon them, giving them the power to be witnesses. There are three Greek prepositions when it comes to the Holy Spirit's relationship to the world, to human beings in the Bible. Three Greek prepositions. First is with, second is in, And third is upon. The first is with. The Holy Spirit is with them. The Holy Spirit is often analogous to water. They they use the Holy Spirit in water, sometimes wind, like in John 3. The Holy Spirit comes, it's like the wind. You don't know, you can't see it. But you know it's there. You have the proof of it. Because wind provides proof. You can see the, 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 the leaves blowing on the trees. So the Holy Spirit is with the world, convicting the world of sin and righteousness the Bible talks about in John 16, verse 7 through 11. And, and the Holy Spirit is um, is uh, like I said, it, it illustrates water sometimes in the New Testament. So this water being with me reminds me of the thirst I have. And if we don't drink water, we die. But it can never do me any good if that water does something more than just being with me or alongside of me. And the Holy Spirit is alongside the world, convicting human beings, speaking to human beings, saying, repent. 
Forgiveness, receive Christ, believe on Christ. But until we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, as Jesus here, they were glad to see him, they believed on him, and he breathes on them and the Holy Spirit comes in them. It's like water entering inside. And when water enters inside a human being, it nourishes us and gives us life. If we don't drink, we will die. And if we don't have the Holy Spirit in us, we are not born again. And we will have the second death come upon us, being eternally separated from God. He breathes on them and the Holy Spirit comes in them, regenerating them. But there is a third Greek preposition. That is when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Upon us. And that is in Acts 1.8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that is the Greek preposition, as if I poured all of this water in me or I took a, a swim in a swimming pool. When you ever, you, you guys ever have your, like, your kids or whatever, your nieces and nephews, they jump in a pool? I, I almost think they do it on purpose uh, because they're little manipulative pagans. They, they come and hug you after they're wet. Oh, hug. It's like, no, get away from me. And they're cold. I mean, I don't say that, actually. Uh, Kelsey does because she's, she's rude, but not me. I'm kidding. She would never say that either. I thought she was in the room. I just like, I like joking and, and flirting with my wife when I'm preaching. The point is, when they get soaked, they can get other people wet around them. That is the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. And if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit upon us, then we cannot be the witnesses that God has called us to be. Have you ever noticed that there are some people in the world that constantly have people around them who are getting born again? You ever notice about some people? And then there are others in the body of Christ. There are never people around them that are getting born again. Now listen, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. You're like, oh, golly, that's me. No, no. I'm just trying to offer you a solution to the problem. It's the Holy Spirit's work. And when he comes upon and you have the power of that Holy Spirit, you get other people wet of what you have. That Holy Spirit working upon you, flowing you, immersing you with power. So the question is, how do you get this Holy Spirit upon you? Yeah, many of us are born again. He's in us. That only does us good, saving us, but upon us. Well, you do the very same thing that they were doing in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. You pray for it. In Luke chapter 10, the Bible says, that if we being evil know how to give good 
gives to our children, how much more will God give us the Holy Spirit for those who ask? If you ask God for the Holy Spirit, that means you're praying. Do you have to do a, a do you have to be a six feet tall to get the Holy Spirit? Do you, do you have to, you know, run down and, uh, and beat somebody in a marathon or be holy for three months before you get the Holy Spirit, never sinning, which is impossible? No, no, no. You wake up in the morning and you ask God every single morning, pour out your Holy Spirit on me and he will do it because he is faithful. But you have to ask. You have not because you ask not. It should be part of the every daily morning prayer of the Christian to ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon. Of course we're born again. We're not losing our salvation as we sleep at night. Yes, we're sealed, we're stamped, we will be eternity with God, but we have a job to do because the plan was announced and we must go out in the power of the Holy Spirit and you wake up each morning saying, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit and then guess what? You probably need to repeat it throughout the day. Oh, pour out your Holy Spirit on me and speak to somebody. Because if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit is the only one that can change minds and hearts, then you have nothing in your witness for Jesus Christ. The power was given. And number six, the pardon proclaimed. Listen, guys, we have the persecution feared, the panic increased, the proof shown, the plan announced, the power given, and now the pardon proclaimed. Now it's, it says here, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This has brought much confusion and much heresy and bad doctrine to our world. Those who believe like the Catholic Church the wicked doctrine of the apostolic succession, that is the apostles and now the pope and the priests and the bishops of the Catholic Church actually have the power to forgive sins. And when they do it, their sins are forgiven, even if they say in Jesus' name. Oh, okay, uh, you go to mass, then you go to confession. You say, hey, uh, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. They're saying that to the priest. Forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. Don't call any man Father except your Lord God in terms of a religious father. And, and they're like, oh, what have you done? Oh, you know, I stole some things. I was drunk on Saturday, and, you know, I fooled around. Oh, boy, okay, I want you to do three Hail Marys. I want you to give, you know, 1,800 shillings, and your sins are forgiven. That's, they take this, this scripture, and they do that. That's not at all what this scripture means. Mark 2.7 says, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Only God can forgive sins. And then Jesus tells the Pharisees, yeah, he's implying you're right, but guess what? I'm the son of God, and the son of God has the power to forgive sins. 
but they are right. Only God can forgive sins. So this is how we apply interpretation of the Bible. It's called hermeneutics. Listen, instead of taking one verse and reading the Bible through one verse, we take one verse and read through it with the whole Bible. The wagging, the tail does not wag the dog. The dog wags the tail. We need to look at what is being discussed here through the entire scriptures, not through some one verse. What God is saying is to the apostles, through the preaching of the gospel and those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can absolutely 100% positively announce the forgiveness of sins. That's what he's saying. We have assurance of salvation. We don't have to wonder if we are going to heaven to be with God for eternity. We know it's now. How reassuring, how hopeful, how glorious is that? It's good news. You go up to so many people. Guys, I, I would venture to say a, a good percentage of our church, even this morning, if I went up and say, hey, you going to heaven? Most would be like, I, I hope so. I think so. Maybe. Ah, I don't know. Well, why are you doubting? Well, because I've done some bad things. Oh, so you think if you do good things, you're going to heaven. I've probably asked 5,000 people in the last 12 years if if they uh, die today, will they uh, go to heaven? Very rarely do I get somebody who say yes. Let me tell you something this morning. If I die today, you will see me there if you go. Do you know why? Because it is not the... Forgiveness does not depend upon the size of our sins, but on the magnitude of the saving power of Christ's blood. Forgiveness is not something to be earned, but something to be received. And don't ever think your sin is bigger than God's saving. That is offensive. It doesn't matter what you've done. No matter your past, no matter your present, if you are in Christ, your sins are forgiven. But conversely, those who reject Jesus, their sins are retained. They are not forgiven. Retainment of sin is rebellion against Christ. That's what this is, that's what it's saying. If you think you can get into heaven without the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, you don't know the magnitude of God's holiness or you do not know the depth of your sin. Oh, it's not fair that people go to hell. No, it's not fair that people get to go to heaven. But we serve a loving God. We have the persecution feared, the panic increased, the proof shown, the plan announced, the power given, the pardon proclaimed. 
What a glorious God that we serve. Let us pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness to us, for your promises. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We ask that you would really help us to understand the grace and peace that you have given us. To not live in condemnation and shame, but rather to live in freedom of forgiveness. And to understand that we have assurance of salvation in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. We do thank you for the, also the ability to give you back because we love you some of our finances for those who've prepared. May you receive it as we expand your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope that you've been inspired and blessed. For more teachings and other resources, visit our website at ccelderet.org or call us at 0718-012-496. That is 0718-012-496. See you next time.